When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Monday Matinee on the Mutual Audio Network. Come on, let's all go to the lobby. Because people are staring at us listening to these shows while we're in the theater. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences. How do I... I'll skip ahead a bit. No, I can't skip ahead. All, all right, everybody. Into the time machine. No, 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 no. You don't understand how radio works. All I have to do to return this to the present is fade my voice out like this and cue the organist. And you see, here we are. 63 Audio presents the Old Time Radio Essentials Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Old Time Radio Essentials. If this is your first time joining us, I must inform you that this is episode two. My name is Pete. This is Jane. And I'm Paul. The purpose of our show is to present specific episodes of our favorite old time radio series, episodes that stand out as particularly representative of those series or as one of those quotable episodes that fans of old time radio like to discuss when they get together. We'll open each episode by introducing the episode, describing it briefly, and then we'll play it for you. Then we'll come back at the end of the selection and discuss it at length, each of us giving their opinions on its merit, its performances, or anything that stands out for us. And that's just what we're presenting to you, just our opinions on whether or not it's worthy and a place in every old-time radio aficionado's personal collection. Now, you don't have to agree with us, and in fact, we may not even agree with each other, right, guys? But we do hope that you'll enjoy what we bring to the table and come back for more. Each of us three will take turns selecting a show for discussion. Last month's selection was mine, and that was Treasure Island from the Mercury Theater, in case you didn't hear it. This month, we turn to Paul. Thank you. This month, we're doing the Jack Benny radio program. Uh, it was an episode where Jack is going to get some uh, Rose Bowl tickets. This one aired January 4th of 1948, and it was part of the Lucky Strike program. So don't forget, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. LSM. I just like how they would do that so much, LSMF. LSMF <laughs> means my oh L- LSMFT. I'm sorry. T. Yeah, you dropped the T, man. Hey, hey, Mister, you dropped your T. I got it around here somewhere. This one aired January 4th of 1948. Jack is going to pick up a couple of uh, Rose Bowl tickets, and we'll see how well that works out for him. And so, without further delay, we present the Jack Benny Radio Program. And now, friends. Adjust your radio dials to the proper frequency. Get comfortable and listen. The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. Quality of product is essential to continuing success. Exhibit A, Lucky Strike. Fine tobacco is what counts in a cigarette. And day in, day out, consistently, Lucky Strike means 
fine tobacco. American. Lucky Strike presents The Man Who Knows, the tobacco auctioneer. Mr. Lucian Purdom, veteran auctioneer of Springfield, Kentucky, has sold more than 240 million pounds of tobacco at auction. Recently, he said, At every auction I've attended, I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike buy fine quality tobacco. That fine, ripe, smoking leaf that makes a smooth, mild smoke. Smoked Lucky's myself for 22 years. Season after season, independent tobacco experts like Mr. Purdom can see the makers of Lucky Strike consistently select and buy that fine, that light, that naturally mild tobacco. Remember, L-S-M-F-T, L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And fine tobacco means real, deep-down smoking enjoyment for you. So smoke that smoke of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. Yes, next time you buy cigarettes, ask for Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, as you all know, the new year was ushered in by one of the nation's gridiron classics played in the Rose Bowl before a record crowd of 93,000 people. This game always produces statistics that are mulled over by sports lovers for weeks to come. 475 yards gained by running, 314 yards by passing, resulting in seven touchdowns and seven conversions. Yes, even the star of our show has been stunned at the amazing figures compiled by this football classic. 93,000 people at $5 apiece. <laughs> Gosh, what a game. Uh, it certainly was, Jack. <laughs> it seems that the Rose Bowl game gets more exciting every year. You're not kidding. I can remember when it was only 80,000 people at $3 apiece. <laughs> but I will say one thing, Don. You've got to give the California Chamber of Commerce a lot of credit. They sure think fast. What do you mean, Jack? Well, during the half, they had a man climb up a ladder and paint a stem on the USC score so it would look like an orange. Gee, I can't get over. 93,000 people. Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Hello, Don. Hello, Mary. I'm glad you're feeling better. Yes, Mary. It's certainly good to have you back on the show. Well, Jack, I hated to miss last Sunday's program, but I had that thing that's been going around. Virus X. Yes, yes, I know. Did you have a good doctor, Mary? Oh, Don, I must tell you about him. He's a new doctor in Beverly Hills, and he's the handsomest man you ever saw. Oh, Gee, he's cute. And he's a bachelor, too. Really? All the girls in my neighborhood came over and asked me to throw germs on them. <laughs> Mary, you fall for everybody. When you first got a fever, why didn't you send for my doctor? I did, Jack, and a fine doctor you've got. What? Jack, how long has he been treating you? Oh, for quite a while. Well, I've got news for you. He's a horse doctor. <laughs> he is not a horse doctor. He isn't, eh? When he got to my house, he threw a blanket over me and walked me around the room to cool me off. <laughs> what? 
And when he started to braid my hair, I threw him out. <laughs> oh, well, then that explains it. One day I called him up and told him my ankles hurt, and he sent over four bandages. <laughs> well, Mary, what about the new doctor you called? What did he say? He told me I had virus X and I shouldn't run tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, Mary, stop kidding, will you? You know, you, you should be, just be happy that you're well again. I am. And, Jack, I thought it was awfully nice of Alice Faye to take my place last Sunday. It certainly was, Mary, and she was just marvelous on the show. She did a terrific job. Well, she did, eh? <laughs> yes, she did. And I was amazed how she could come in here at the last minute, pick up the script with no rehearsal, and give such a sensational performance. Is it true that she bleaches her hair? Mary! Now, stop being catty. There's no way to start the new year. Oh, by the way, Jack, have you made any New Year's resolutions? No, no, I haven't, Don. Well, I have. I made a resolution to cut my food in half. Well, good, good. I'm glad to hear that, Don. It isn't good manners to take a whole steak and stuff it in your mouth. <laughs> no, 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 Jack, I, I'm serious about losing weight. Really? I've given up bread, butter, and potatoes. Don, if you ever stop eating potatoes, Idaho will secede from the Union. <laughs> and speaking of food, reminds me of eating. See, and speaking of eating, reminds me of my sponsor, who makes it possible. And speaking... <laughs> and speaking of the sponsor, reminds me of the commercial. Now, I've got something swell this week for, uh, this week for our quartet. Uh, where are the sportsmen, Don? Well, Jack, you remember they all had very bad colds last week. Yes. Well, they're not over it yet, and right now they're home in bed. But, Don, what are we going to do? We have to have a commercial. Well, they thought of that, so they sent their wives over. Their wives? Yes, yes, there they are, standing right over there. Oh, yes, yes. Hello, girls. <laughs> It's awfully nice of you ladies to come over and help us out. Have they got a number prepared, Don? Oh, yes, Jack. It is quite unusual. I, I'm sure you'll like it. Okay, girls. Let's hear it. Very nice, girls. Very nice. Thanks so much for helping us out. Oh, 
you're welcome. And I want to thank you for sending your doctor over to take care of my husband. Oh, how does your husband feel? Well, I don't know. He just looks up at me with his big brown eyes and goes... Mary was right, huh? Well, goodbye, girls. Goodbye. goodbye. Say, Don, Don, uh, didn't I, uh... <laughs> Don, didn't I see two of them at your house on New Year's Eve? Yeah, Jack, we had a lot of fun, didn't we? We certainly did. And, Mary, I'm certainly glad that you're well enough to attend my New Year's Eve party. Well, so am I, Dan. I had such a good time. But I haven't had a chance to tell you what happened after Jack and I left your house. Mary. What happened, Mary? Tell me. Well... Mary, it's all over. Forget about it. I will not. Oh, John, it was after midnight, and as you remember, we were still at your house having a wonderful time. Gee, you know, Mary, this is the best New Year's Eve party I've ever been to. Me too. But it's way past midnight. How about taking me home? Okay, Mary, sure. Well, I say goodbye. Goodbye, Don. It was a wonderful party. Glad you enjoyed it. So long, Jack. Goodbye, Mrs. Wilson. Goodbye, Jack. Now, let's see. Where's Phil? You're standing on him. <laughs> How do you like that? Well, it's Don's fault. He shouldn't let him drink so much. What do you mean, Don's fault? Phil was this way when he got here. He was not. <laughs> Mary, when Phil arrived, I opened the door and he fell in like a body in a murder mystery. <laughs> Now, come on, let's go. Gee, Mary, isn't this a nice night out? Well, it sure is. What a beautiful sky. You know, the stars look so close, and they seem to be different colors. Red, pink, blue, yellow. Jack, that's confetti on your glasses. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, Mary, it was certainly a wonderful New Year's Eve party. Gee, we sure had a Pardon lot of... Pardon me, folks. Pardon me. Huh? Now, what do you think I ought to get my wife for Christmas? <laughs> Christmas? Mister, Christmas was a whole week ago. This is New Year's. You mean it's already 1945? <laughs> it's 1948. Oh, my goodness. I better get home. <laughs> oh, well. Everybody celebrates in his own way. Say, Mary, did you notice at the party when the New Year came in, everybody got sentimental and they quieted down? Huh? Well, what do you mean they got sentimental? Well, they stopped singing and dancing. Well, they had to. The stroke of 12, Patrilla came in and shut off the phonograph. Oh, is that who it was? Well, here's your house, Mary. Yeah. Mary. What is it, Jack? Well, since this is the New Year, how about giving me a little kiss? Oh, Jack, let's not go through that again. You always get so emotional. I do not. You do, too. The last time I kissed you, you ran home, threw yourself across the bed, and cried for an hour. <laughs> well, that was my own fault. I had two glasses of cooking sherry. <laughs> anyway. Well, good night, Jack, and Happy New Year. Good night, Mary. Hey, wait a minute. How would you like to go to the Rose Bowl game? Hey, that would be wonderful. But have you got tickets? There's plenty of time. The game doesn't start till tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> tomorrow? It's already 2 o'clock in the morning. Ah, don't worry about it. I'll get the tickets. Come on, let's go in your house. I want to use your phone. That's an old excuse, but I'll take a chance. <laughs> oh, don't be silly. 
Let's see, who can I... Well, I'll be darned. There's the blanket. You weren't kidding about my doctor, were you? <laughs> now, who can I get tickets from? Oh, I know. I'll call Jeff Cravath, the USC coach. The USC coach? But Jackie may be asleep. What do you mean, asleep? He hasn't slept since the Notre Dame game. <laughs> Oh, I know who'll let me have his extra tickets if he has any. Who? Ronald Coleman. Oh, Jack, you wouldn't call Mr. Coleman at this hour. Why not? This is New Year's Eve. Hand me the phone. Hey, yada dee da dum da dum da dee da dum The Ronald Coleman residence, Sherwood the Butler speaking. Oh, Sherwood, this is Mr. Benny. May I speak to Mr. Coleman? Mr. Coleman is asleep, sir. Asleep already? Didn't he celebrate New Year's Eve? Oh, yes. We had a rip-roaring time here till almost nine o'clock. <laughs> nine o'clock? How could you celebrate the New Year that early? We're on London time, you know. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Well, Sherwood, do you know if Mr. Coleman has any extra tickets to the Rose Bowl? Oh, I'm sure he hasn't any. Oh, well, in that case, Sherwood, I'm sorry I woke you up, but I do want to take this opportunity to wish you a happy new year and that 1948 will be a year that you and yours will enjoy not only health and happiness... I say, old chap, would you mind saying goodbye? There's a draft blowing up my nightshirt. <laughs> I'm sorry. Goodbye, Sherwood. Goodbye. Well, have any luck, Jack? No, the Coleman's didn't have any extra tickets, but they have cross ventilation. <laughs> what? Don't worry, Mary. I'll get the tickets if I have. Hey, Mary, look out the window. Look who's passing. My pal, my buddy. Open the window, quick. Hey, Norman, Norman, have you got two extra tickets to the Rose Bowl game? <laughs> Jack, it's way after 2.30. I'm going to bed. Wait a minute, Mary. I just thought of something. For the Rose Bowl game, they always put about 6,000 tickets on public sale. All we have to do is go down and buy them at the box office. But, Jack, there'll be a million people there. All right, so look how early we'll be. I'll call Rochester, have him pick us up in my car, and take us out to Pasadena. <laughs> make this hill, Jack? Sure. Rochester, give it a little more gas. Okay. <laughs> well, we made it, Mary. You can hop in now. <laughs> Why don't you get rid of this thing and buy a new one? Mary, how can you suggest such a thing? I couldn't get rid of this car. It's like an old friend. Been with me through thick and thin. Through rain and shine. Through joy and sorrow. Through McKinley and Truman. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, Jack, maybe you can get a new car through Fred Allen. You know, he's changing sponsors this week, and he's going on the air for Ford. Mary, I wouldn't ask Fred Allen a favor for anything. Why, if I were stranded on some foreign island, hungry, and Alan came with, to me with food, I'd rather starve than accept a favor from him. How 
can you say that? A month ago, you sold them Christmas cards. That's business. <laughs> hey, Rochester, turn to the right on Camden Drive. I know a shortcut to Pasadena. Okay. Gee, Mary, I hope we can get tickets. I wouldn't miss this game for anything in the world. It's gonna be... Oh, Jack, look at that poor old man. Where? Oh, yes. Look at that old man hobbling along on the sidewalk. That's a shame. Why well, feel sorry for him? He's going faster than we are. <laughs> Never mind. Stop the car. <laughs> Say, mister, would you like a lift? Eh? I said, would you like a lift? Where are you going? Oh, I'm going to Pasadena, to the Rosie Bowl. Oh, you going to see the game? See it. I'm playing halfback for USC. <laughs> oh, well, you don't have to be there till 2 o'clock. <laughs> Drive on, Rochester. Say, Mary, the reason I'm so anxious to see this game, I don't know if I told you or not, but uh, I bet on USC. You did? Yeah, did I get a sucker? He took Michigan and gave me 40 points. <laughs> you know, that's a sure thing. Hey, Rochester, slow down. There's a parking lot. What does the sign say, Mary? Uh, park here for the Rose Bowl, one dollar. What? A dollar? Well, I have all the profiteering rackets. One dollar. That's outrageous. That's the most... Boss, boss, that's your own house. <laughs> Oh, yes. Gee, 15 cars already. <laughs> it's only 4 o'clock in the morning. Now, Rochester, let's get to Pasadena as fast as we can. I don't want to miss getting those Rose Bowl tickets. Say, Jack, look, we left Phil at Don's house, and there he is walking toward us. Well, I'll be darned. Rochester, stop the car. Hey, Phil! Phil! Hiya, Jackson! Phil, do you know what condition you were in when I left Don's? Yeah, Jackson, I felt awful. It's the first time I ever passed out after the first glass. After the first glass? I'm going to say, what were you drinking? Milk. <laughs> milk? Yeah, some wise guy turned out the lights and handed it to me. <laughs> but, Phil, milk is good for you when you're drinking. It neutralizes the alcohol. It makes you feel good the next morning. Go on, Daddy. Now tell me about the birds and the bees. <laughs> Well, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Ashamed of what? So I've been having a little fun for the last two nights. Last two nights? Everybody else has a party on New Year's Eve, but you have to start your party the night before. So what? Henry Wallace started his party the night before that. Ha, 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 Oh, Harris, that nasty old milk ain't slowed you down a bit. <laughs> oh, brother. Say, Phil, I don't think you should be walking around like this. Why don't you get in the car and let us drive you home? Oh, no, I feel fine now. I'll get home all right. Hey, Jackson, when did you get this brand new car? What? You better help me, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Now, look, you don't have to help me. I'm going to walk home. But, Phil, when you go out, doesn't Alice worry about you? Oh, sure. That's why she sold this note to my lapel. Note? Let me see that. What does it say, Mary? To whom it may concern. If lost, remove ropes from coat pockets, stand them up in time to a lamppost. 
Oh, well, then he's all right. So long, Phil. I'll be seeing you Sunday. Okay, Happy New Year, Jackson. Happy New Year. Now, hurry up, Rochester. I want to be sure and get those tickets. Gee, standing here so long. What a crowd. Yeah. Here it is almost noon, and we've been standing in this ticket line for five hours. Yeah. And the line doesn't seem to... Hey, you back there, stop shoving. wonder how long it'll be before we... I said stop shoving! Yeah, I can't understand, Mary. People go to football games, it brings out the worst in them. Look, I warned you twice. And if you shove me once more, I'll drag you out of line and I'll... I can't help it, mister. People are pushing me. (laughs) I don't care. Jack, control yourself. Well, lucky for her, she's wearing glasses. I'm getting kind of hungry. Me too. I think there's a man selling hot dogs over there. Where? Oh, yeah. Hey, mister, you with the hot dog. People in the middle with the mustard on top. Why, it's Mr. Kitzel. Hello, Mr. Benny. Happy New Year, Miss Livingston. Hello, Mr. Kitzel. Say, this is a coincidence. We first met you selling hot dogs here at the Rose Bowl two years ago. Yeah, now you're back here again. I've been selling hot dogs for nigh on to 20 years. <laughs> 20 years, eh? Well, how's the hot dog business? Well, it's pretty good, but I don't relish it. <laughs> relish? <laughs> I made a joke. <laughs> Yes, you did. Very good, too. Well, give me a couple of hot dogs. Coming up. Oh, by the way, there's a slight meat shortage. Where did you get your frankfurters? From a doctor in Beverly Hills. (laughs) Jack, that must be your horse doctor. Mary, he means a butcher. Uh, two frankfurters, Mr. Kitzel. Do you want the pickle in the middle and the mustard on top, or the mustard in the middle and Johnny Logan on top? Mr. Kitzel, stop making jokes, and here's your money. Thank you, Mr. Benny, and Happy New Year. Same to you, same to you. <laughs> Gee, Mary, he's a cute guy. Uh, darn it, this line doesn't seem to move up at all. Boy, I sure hope we can get tickets. I'm so anxious to see the games. Hey, bud. Bud. Huh? You say you want to get some tickets? You say you want to see the game? Tell you what I'm going to do. What? I got a pair of tickets smack on the 50-yard line. And you can have them for only 75 bucks. You got a nerve Charming $75 for a pair of football tickets Why, that ain't nothing Why, there's a crook out in Beverly Hills Charging a buck to park cars <laughs> That's beside the point You came here Hey, you back there I warned you three times to stop shoving If you don't, I'll You what? Gee, somebody must have taken her place <laughs> I took her place I'm her husband <laughs> 
Well, congratulations. She's a lovely girl. <laughs> now, where's that um, wise guy that was trying to sell me those? He's gone. Oh, yes. You know, Mary, it's a shame. Dennis wanted to see this game today, but he's got a bad cold, too, and he had to stay in bed. Gee, more people have been... Jack, Jack, move up. You're next at the ticket window. Oh, yes, yes. yes. All right, mister. How many tickets do you want? Uh, how much, uh, how much are they? Five dollars and fifty cents. Well. Uh, here's my money, Jack. No, 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 Mary. No, no, I'll, I'll pay for these. I'll buy my own. I've still got money left from the May Company. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, one ticket, mister. Here you are. Uh, give me a ticket right next to hers, will you? Yeah, they're right together. And, boy, are you two lucky. Those were the last tickets. Come on, Mary. Come on. Let's get out of here. Boy, we are lucky. I had my heart set all year on seeing this game, and I'm going to see it now. Come on, Mary. We're over at Tunnel 16. Okay. You know, it's kind of chilly. I want to get a cup of coffee first. You want one, Mary? No, I don't want to get mixed up in that crowd. I'll go ahead and hold our seat. Okay. See you in a few minutes, Mary. I don't let him start the game without me. Let's see. Where can I get the coffee? Well, there's a stand over there. Yeah, da Gee, I can't wait. Boy, I was up all night. Stood in line for five hours. It was worth it to get this ticket. Hey, mister. Mister. Huh? How many tickets you got to the game? One. What'd you pay for it? Five fifty. Want to sell it? Oh, no. Oh, no. No, siree. Not me. I don't... I'll give you six dollars for it. Are you crazy? I've been looking forward to this game all year. I've been up all night calling people, begging people for these tickets. I drove all the way down here from Beverly Hills in that traffic. I waited in line five hours to get this ticket. Seven dollars? It's guys like you that always try <laughs> How much? Seven bucks. Seven dollars? Yep. Mister, do me a favor, will you? What? There'll be a girl sitting next to you. <laughs> Tell her you picked my pocket. <laughs> okay. Here's your money. Thanks. So long, mister. da Gee, I hate to miss that game. But then again, with this money, I could... Wait a minute. What kind of a $5 bill did he give me? Look at the picture on it. Madman Month. <laughs> hey, mister! Mister, come back! Come back here! Hey, mister, come back here! We'll be back in just a minute. But first, 
quality of product is essential to continuing success. And Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. L-S-M-F-T. Yes, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And fine tobacco is what counts in a cigarette. Remember what happens at the tobacco auction? At market after market, independent tobacco experts can see the makers of Lucky Strike consistently select and buy that fine, that light, that naturally mild tobacco. Lucky Strike presents The Man Who Knows, the tobacco warehouseman. Mr. Floyd Clay, well-known tobacco warehouseman of Versailles, Kentucky, operates one of the largest tobacco warehouses in the world. Not long ago, he said... Up through the years, I've seen American buy tobacco that's ripe and mild. Tobacco with real flavor and mellowness. I've smoked Lucky's myself for... Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So smoke that smoke of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. Yes, next time you buy cigarettes, ask for Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. Anyway, Don, now you know why I'll never go to another football game with Jack. Well, I don't blame you, Mary. That smart guy stole me the ticket. I'd like to see him again. I'll tell him plenty. Well, drop in to Sarah's tonight, and you can. How do you know he's going to be there? I've got a date with him. You would. <laughs> Good night. And we're back. That was an episode of the Jack Benny program, originally broadcast January 4th, 1948, on NBC Radio. Paul, this was your selection for the month. Tell us, why did you select it? I think that uh, as a general daily in-and-out kind of thing, people wanted something more comfortable, something that wasn't foreign, something, especially back in those days when you had the Depression and everything. They wanted something that they understood something that they that they didn't have to work at learning anything or that they just wanted to hear it hear people that were familiar to them felt like they were part of the family even and so who better to sum all that up than jack benny he was on the air in the doing radio for about 25 years then he went over to tv did tv for about another 20 years and he always played the same character and he just did a wonderful job because he didn't even have to say a lot, <laughs> which was really difficult on radio to be able to get away with the pauses that he did. But he did it very well because everyone knew his character so well that as soon as like the word money was said, people could just start laughing already because they just knew what he was going to do. One of the reasons I picked Jack Benny is because more of a hometown boy because, well, I'm here in Peoria, Illinois. Jack was actually born in Chicago, Illinois, and raised in Waukegan, which is only a couple hours from here. And we actually, the more I started getting into old-time radio, the more I learned, it's like, holy cow, we actually had more people here than I thought we did. You know, the Van Dykes and everything, Fibber McGee and Molly are actually from Peoria. Yeah. What else? There was, I mean, he was wonderful in vaudeville that was his big breakthrough they saw him on vaudeville and asked him if they would he'd come to the radio uh he started doing some radio and that's when he was offered his first radio program and the sponsors were jello and it's one of those things that back then they used to have the ads were more worked into the show itself and so they'd be talking and oh, all yeah well they that was evident that was evident in this episode for sure with lucky strike 
they had the, the sportsman quartet's wives. Yeah, that was because great. Because they were all <laughs> suffering from a cold. That, I have to say, that was my favorite part of the entire episode, uh, when the sportsman's wives did their, did their thing. To the tune of uh, Carolina in the morning. Yes. I, I like how they kept coming back to uh, uh, about Jack's doctor. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I wrote that in my in my notes. Uh, the uh, the virus X. <laughs> Wish I was in Texas where there ain't no virus X's. That, yes. was, <laughs> that was that was good. Now, that whole bit, that whole bit with Mary at the beginning, talking about teasing Jack about his doctor. I thought that was absolutely priceless. Mary Livingston humor right there. Um, she says her new doctor is the handsomest man you ever saw, and all of her friends want to want to get sick want her to so come they over can and throw germs throw on them. Germs on <laughs> throw germs on them. The desperation of women. Jack. Yeah, she teaches Jack about teases Jack about uh, his doctor as a horse doctor. He threw a blanket over me and walked me around the room. Oh, look. When he started to braid my hair, I threw him out. And I just thought yeah. they can milk a joke, too. Just and they circle back. A running gag. They Yeah, they go for the long joke on this on this show. The whole the whole series oh, was yeah. just wonderful how they did that. And they'd come back to it. Yeah, exactly. Like um, Jack's in the room and walks into Mary's. Oh, look, there's the blanket. You know, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he goes, exactly. Well, and it's I such guess, a, I guess you were right about that, doctor. <laughs> and and the show itself, you know, is just a such a wonderful snapshot time capsule all of the time. You know, 1948, right? Just after the beginning mm-hmm. of uh, 1948. Was that the year? Or 47? Yeah. 48? 48. It was um, very beginning. It was right after New Year's you Eve, know, and t- uh, New Year's Day, nineteen forty. Yeah, tickets going for five bucks. Fifty. <laughs> yeah. Rose Bowl tickets for five. Bucks. Here's my money, Jack. I still have some left over from the May Company. <laughs> and, uh, and that was a long. That was a long-standing joke that uh, Jack first met Mary in the May Company when she was working at a at a sales counter. And that may or may not be true. I don't know, but. That was a long-running joke for them. Um, I like- have you ever been to a May Company? I have. A long time ago. I think it was in Detroit, maybe. I went to one in Chicago, and it's like, I'm really in the May Company. Because I knew back then, this was maybe 20 years ago, I knew back then even that uh, the May Company was uh, special for the Jack Benny program. One of the interesting things I was reading was about Mary, and that she actually took on the name Mary Living. Livingstone as her legal name because that was her stage name, and she and Jack yeah, were married. Her real name was Sadie yeah. Marks. Yeah, Sadie Marks. Yeah, you know that. Yep, she they were married. Was a relative of the Marks brothers. Well, it was a different spelling though. Right, M A R K S. And of course, but, we uh, have to but, we have to give props to Mel Blank doing his thing. Oh. Yes, oh. they uh, for doing the old. Uh, what was I'm trying to remember the brand of car that he had? Maxwell. The Maxwell, that's the Maxwell. right. The Maxwell. They he did the sound of the Maxwell. They actually had did the... an old car that they were going to use at the beginning of the series to to make the sound effect of the old rumbling car, and the guys couldn't get it to start right on cue, and so Mel Mel White just happened to be by the microphone, so he just started doing the chugging and the wheezing and everything, and it went over with the audience so well. They just said, "Okay, we're going to keep him doing it." <laughs> he always starts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he always starts. You can always rely on Mel Blanc. So I heard him as the drunk that they were on their way home. He thought it was Christmas 1944. Yes. 
And when they say it's New Year's Eve, 1948, well, I better get home. <laughs> and, and then he did the uh, Woody Woodpecker laugh. Yeah, the Woody Woodpecker. And then he did the uh, the the sound of the Maxwell. So he was pretty busy in that episode. And, and I was like, I, one of the reasons I picked this episode because it gives you a nice uh, you know, vignette of everybody in there. Well, with the possible exception of. Uh, Dennis. I don't think they really did much with Dennis. He didn't have a song or anything in this one. He wasn't even in the show. They did. Uh, they had. They Phil. mentioned that he had a cold. That's right. Uh, they had Phil in there, which he was usually the rowdy band person, and so that's how how he was represented in this one, as he always was. And I thought that was hilarious the way they did that. Uh, well, they make a lot of jokes about his drinking problem. Um, they're at the New Year's Eve party. Mm-hmm. At Don's house, and I said, "Where's Phil? I haven't seen him all night." And Mary says, "You're standing on yep. him." And then uh, they meet up with him later. They're on their way to Pasadena, and they didn't hadn't gotten very far. And they see Phil walking towards him, and uh, he said that he he drank milk, yeah. milk, and it <laughs> spoiled his drunk. Right. And um, he passed out he, after. He says one. he has a note. Yeah, and then yeah, he has a note sewn to his lapel. <laughs> Dear to him, it may concern. <laughs> Take the ropes out of his pocket and tie him to the lamppost. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Now, there are some really good moments in here. Um, and, of course, Artie Auerbach. What, with his, he, that was the first time that the hot dog vendor had made a, an appearance. It, the Remember the little hot dog vendor who comes in? Mr. Kitzel. Mr. Kitzel. Yeah, yeah. that was his Beakle first. in the middle and the mustard on top. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He says he doesn't relish the hot dog business. I don't relish I it. made a joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mr. Kitzel was really popular. They they started bringing him back and bringing him in more often, I think. Um, but they made some obscure references. I mean, you could tell they were really playing for their local, um, you know, the times in certain areas. How they were bagging on make- USC. Yeah. They're bagging on USC. The old, the old guy who's on his w- walking there and says he's, <laughs> he's the halfback half for USC. He's going faster than the Maxwell. <laughs> and then uh, how they got, uh, what was it? He goes, oh, how they set the 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 guy up the to the scoreboard to paint a stem on USC's score, so it looked like an orange. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So lots of good gags. They made a joke about Petrillo, which I think is very funny. But at the stroke of midnight, he came in and shut off the phonograph because Petrillo was um, the head of the musicians union back then. And so whenever you hear a whenever you hear a joke about Petrillo, he was uh, encouraging uh, a ban on recorded music in favor of uh, artists. So so live music was okay, but recorded music was was a no-no during this time. Mm. I don't know all the details, but they make a lot of... I've heard a lot of radio programs where they made a Petrillo joke, and they were all to do about something to do with the Musicians' Union. So that's what that's about. To the best of my... Uh, to the best of my knowledge... Um, see, what else? So we don't have to go over the whole thing. I'm sure our audience listened to it, but uh, those are some of the things that stuck out for me. There was another obscure joke about Henry Wallace... Phil Harris says something about he started his party the day before mine or something like that. And I had to look up Henry Wallace. He was a presidential candidate for the Progressive Party 
1948. So I'm so glad you did. You know, was a, I was wondering. It was a timely joke there, Henry Wallace. Mr. Kitzel mem- mentions Johnny Logan or something like that. Okay. Uh, like you want you want the pickle in the middle or do you want Johnny Logan on top? That's what it sounded like to me. And I had to, there are several Johnny Logans in, and one of them was a baseball player, and that might have been him. So the joke that went completely over my head. But one of the funniest bits was, the to me, a, a back up a little, the Sportsman's Quartet wives, and then when they're in line, standing in the line for the tickets, and Jack is complaining, he says, quit shoving. And he says, if you don't stop shoving, I'm going to drag you out of this line, blah, blah, blah. And then it turned out to be a young woman. <laughs> yeah. And so... <laughs> Sorry, mister, but they're shoving me. And he says, lucky for her, she's wearing glasses. <laughs> you talk a big game. <laughs> yeah. I like when they're uh, driving along, and I think they're uh, mentioning about how much the tickets cost. And, oh, that much. And uh, Rochester goes, oh, look there. There's somebody charging a dollar to park in their yard. A dollar, that's outrageous. I can't believe somebody would do that. That's highway robbery. Boss, boss, that's your house. (laughs) That was funny. And he says, oh, 15 cars there already. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so lots of good ones. Lots of good zingers in there. Lots of good zingers. But I think, for me, the ending fell flat. It was a little. Yeah, it could have had a little bit more of a zing to it. It just it just sort of died out, you know. Jack sells his ticket to us for seven bucks. He gets a counterfeit five with Madman Months. Madman Months was a used car salesman who was crazy for who who was famous for crazy deals apparently. But then, and then Mary goes on the date you know, they, with the guy he sold the right. ticket. They come to. back and yeah, they come back and Mary says that she's got a date with a guy. I'd like to see that guy again. Well, if you show up at my date, you can see him again. Yeah, so to me, that kind of fell flat. Um, and because of that, it's time to vote, <laughs> if you're ready. <laughs> uh, what are we voting on, dear listener? As a reminder, we are voting on, one, whether this particular episode is a true representative installment of the overall series, and two, whether or not is it, it is a standalone show that belongs in every radio aficionado's collection. I can say the word. <laughs> I have it written right here in front of me. <laughs> And again, Paul, since this was your selection, you go first. Well, uh, it'd be really bad if I'm the one who picked it and I voted against it. That would just not be right. That would not be right. So now I have to vote for it because I think, well, I like this episode of Jack Benny also, but there is just so many. Anybody who wants to get into old time radio, I really suggest start delving into Jack Benny. It'll be one of those comforting things that, you know, you can turn to and it's always going to be there and it's going to be the same. It doesn't need to change all the time to be good. So I vote for it. Okay. Do you feel that it meets both of those criteria? I think it does. I think it does. With it's this. a true representative installment, and it belongs in every radio aficionado's <laughs> collection. <I can't. laughs> Any other day I can say aficionado. Like I'm, trying to, I'm trying to follow the word radio with aficionado. Maybe I want to rhyme it's it. It's starting to feel like, uh, oh, brother, where art thou in here? Uh, a company with a company a guitarist. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm I do think this it. is a good representation of the series. And just overall I do think it is a good episode uh to have in your collection. Okay. 
Excellent. Jane, what's your take on it? <clears throat> well, I'm going to say, uh, well, as far as if it's perfectly representative or well representing, you know, other Jack Benny shows, I can't speak to that because I haven't heard them all, of course. However, I am going to say that I think this one should belong into in in somebody's collection simply because of of the whole time capsule aspect uh, it, it's jack benny being jack benny of course um and especially you know if, just for the whole usc factor alone uh i'm gonna i'm going to say that yes it definitely uh should probably be well that kind of cancels out yes it belongs into it uh an aficionado's collection Oh, you can't say it either. Okay. <laughs> Aficionado. Aficionado. Never mind. What kind of fish is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's aficionado. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that. Now, I have to be the odd man and say that I do not feel that this particular episode is a true representative installment of the overall series. For one, it doesn't have Dennis Day. And to me, an episode of the Jack Benny show needs to have Dennis Day singing his song and bringing in his own particular brand of humor. He wasn't in this. It was a funny episode. Don't get me wrong. A very funny episode in many, many places. But it didn't have Dennis. And for that reason alone, I can't say that it is really representative. And whether or not it belongs in every Radio Aficionado's collection, it's pretty good. It doesn't have a good ending. It's kind of lame. So I would have to lean against putting it in every aficionado's collection. But, you know, that's just me. But that's it. So we've got two for and, and one against. But just like in that old famous TV show, the votes don't matter. Uh, <laughs> you have to make up your own mind. Right? We hope you'll make up your own the mind TV on show. that. <laughs> you know, what is it called? Whose line is it anyway? Who's aficionado is it anyway? <laughs> Who's aficionado? <laughs> is it whose line is it aficionado? But uh, I'm not the kind of guy who hopes you'll agree with me. I want you to make up your own mind about it. Okay. Yes. Well, great. This brings us to the end of episode two of Old Time Radio Essentials with Jane St. John, Paul RBC, and me, Pete Lutz. Next time it's Jane's turn, and she's bringing us. An episode from Lights Out. I couldn't wait uh, until we got closer to Halloween to do something kind of on the, the Halloween spooky side. And I we are going to listen to, uh, next time around, we're going to hear The Little People from Lights Out. It aired on July 27th of 1943 on CBS Network. Uh, this is one of the ones that Arch, help me pronounce his last name, Pete, Ogler. Um, this is one of his episodes, and of course he recycled his episodes, uh, and I'm not entirely sure of the exact date this might have appeared first, but we're definitely going to hear one that came out on July 27, 1943, in which uh, a professor who seeks revenge, he's seeking revenge on his wife and her paramour, I said that right? Paramore. Um, he's going to employ some 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 skills he picked up in South America. And we'll take a listen to that one next time around. Ooh, sounds great. Now, that's that's next month on Old Time Radio Essentials. Paul and Jane, tell the masses what they need to know. <laughs> 
Old Time Radio Essentials is a production of 63 Audio, a proud member of the all-new Mutual Audio Network. Find us at www.mutualaudionetwork.com or www.naradaradio.lipson.com on iTunes under Mutual Audio Network and or the Narada Radio Company and on any podcatcher you may happen to use. Please like us on Facebook at Mutual Audio Fans and at Narada Radio Company Fans and Friends. Also, we're on Twitter now. Twitter, check us out at Essentials Old. And also, if you want to suggest a future episode, you can write us at, excuse me, I'm all choked up, at F6.3 at gmail.com. Now, that's the letter F, the number six, the word point, P-O-I-N-T, and the number three at gmail.com. Put the word essentials in the subject line. And we hope that you'll go over to iTunes and leave a review for us. Uh, you can find us, once again, as uh, as Paul said, at Narada Radio Company at iTunes and leave a review. Just tell us what you think. Uh, we're only on our second episode, but, you know. We're working it out. We're gonna, we promise we're going to get better at this sort of thing. <laughs> and thanks to all of you for listening. Be sure to catch us next time on Old Time Radio Essentials. Bye-bye for now. Bye. Adios. Sixty-three audio. Hi there. Are you a fan of all things horror? Yeah, you are? Well, in that case, find Tuesday Terrors, which is the mutual audio feed that comes out on a Tuesday, believe it or not. Shock horror, I know. But if you subscribe there, you'll find amazing horror fiction audio in your player Every Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday Terrors. Subscribe to the Mutual Audio Network. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.